This is the first of a four video series I shot in the winter of 2022, headed up to Moline, Illinois, which is in northwest corner of Illinois there, where uh, Mike Morrissey and his staff are doing a great job at Moline High School. This one by Nate Gilbraith talking game planning and a very good deep dive into game planning from a breaking down your opponent, how you're going to present it with the kids, and even preparing for Friday nights and the details of that. If you want to see this or anything else we've produced, check us out at clinic.chiefpigskin.com. All right, how's it going? My name is Nate Gilbraith. I'm an assistant football coach here at Moline High School. I'm a defensive assistant. Um, I came over from a rivalry school. Uh, been there for the last six years. Uh, I was blessed to be around some older Hall of Fame coaches. They've taught me a lot. I, th I think the biggest thing I took away from them when I was there was how to game plan opponents. So the first thing I do here on Saturday night is I'll break down huddle after we get the games. A blessing that we have and an accessory that we have is huddle assist, where they put in all the plays, uh, formations, they break down the gains, the losses, uh, turnovers. Um, last six years, I had to go in and do that all by hand by myself. So this speeds up the process for when we game plan opponents. Um, and it's a blessing here at Moline High School. Uh, huddle breakdown. First thing I do is I'll go through the however many games we have, and I will break down the separate the offensive plays from the rest of the game. And so I'll have three separate playlists of offensive plays from each game. Then the next thing I do is I'll go ahead and click on all three games and combine all the run plays from those three games. And I'll create another playlist. I'll create all the pass plays. Then the last thing I'll do is I'll break down all the first downs from those three games or two games, one games, whatever we have, all the second downs, all the third downs. Um, the first thing I'll do right away is I'll go look at all the offensive plays and write those down. So that breaks me to my first philosophy part. I'm a pen and paper guy. Uh, I've been a history teacher for the last five years. And so the only way I understand how my students can comprehend stuff, not just looking at a slide and just memorizing it, they have to write it down in their notebook. So I take a yellow legal pad out. I have five million of them all over the house and I know where they're at. They don't may not make a lot of sense to a lot of people, but it makes sense to me. I'm, I understand what I'm writing down. The information's organized in my mind. Might be a hot mess for other people. Um, the thing I will do is I'll write down hash, formation, play, motion, run, and pass. I think the magic number for when I write down games is three games. Any more, I feel like it's not that you're wasting your time. It's either going to clutter the information you have or it's going to make you start questioning the information that you have. So what I mean by cluttering is you have three games of information written down. You start watching games four and five from either earlier or later in the season, and all it's doing is it's confirming what you already know. Confusion. Some teams travel like a long path from like week one to week nine. And so you have week seven, eight, nine all scouted out, ready to go. You have a good scouting report built up, but then you go watch weeks one and three. And they're not the same offensive philosophies. They've had some other wrinkles or things that they haven't touched since then. And that can mess up all your information as well. So don't overwork yourself. Don't burn yourself out. Three games is the right amount. Um, the big question I have here is earlier or later in the season, how do you scout week one versus the first week of playoffs? I think those are the two hardest times to scout. Week one, when you scout, uh, what, what are you trying to get? So you go back to last season. You look at weeks one, three, and seven. 
which we had to do for our opponent from last this last year. It's hard because they have all their wrinkles built in. They start doing a lot by weeks five and seven, and you know for a fact they're not going to even run those plays or wrinkles against you come week one. So you all you're looking for is what is their core bread and butter plays that they run every single week. And if you want to take a wrinkle that you might not have an answer for and just rep that out in practice. Later in the season, week one of playoffs. This is a this was a tough one. You like I said, you watch week seven, eight, and nine on film. But then you go back and watch weeks one and two, and they're running a completely different offense in weeks one and two. So those are the probably the, the toughest things we had as myself is like, I got to limit myself on what I'm watching. Pick three games, stick with it. Don't overthink it. Don't go watch more because you're going to burn yourself out and overload your mind. Uh, I ended up watching one team. and watched it like six or seven games on it. And my eyes were swollen up red. Can't do that. It's not, not healthy for you. Stick to three games. Trust your... Trust your instinct, trust your scouting report, and you're going to be okay. So the first thing I'm going to show you here is my legal pad that I do. So the first thing I do is I write down hash, formation, play, motion, run, pass. So here's a scouting report of one game that I pulled from a team. So we got hash on the left. I got the huddle play number. That's the numbers right here, 6 through 50 there you see. I write down the formation, I write down the play, I write down the motion, I run, write down run, pass. So once I watch a game once, I really don't have to go back and watch it again. I have it all written out there. I understand what I just watched. All I do is now refer to my notes. and I start building my scouting report. I think this is the easiest way. It's the most efficient way for me. Um, I'm sure there's easier ways out there for people. I know people use Huddle like no other. They have all those cool tools and everything. But for me to understand what I'm watching, what I'm trying to comprehend, all right, um, it's, it's pretty effective for me. I can go ahead and count up all the formations, how many times they use it. I can count out how many times they run counter in this place, how many times they use the motion, what plays do they use motions for, uh, how many times do they run it, how many times they pass it. I just go through and count it one by one. It, it works. It's pretty efficient for me. So the next part of my philosophy is I got to answer five questions for when I build a scout report. The what, who, where, when, and how. If I can answer these five questions. We have an efficient game plan in my mind. We're efficient, efficient scouting report to build a game plan. If I can't answer these five questions, it becomes a little gray on when they possibly start doing things that we're not ready for or we officially didn't scout for. Um, I believe when we can answer these five questions, we know what formation and what play is going to happen. All right, at least one of those two. And when they do break the huddle and show that formation, we now know what the play is. Or if we know in certain downs and situations they tend to run the ball more or pass the ball more. We know what's going to be coming. I would confidently say 10 of the 11 games that we had this year, we knew at least what concept was coming on that downer situation. And for us as a defensive staff, that's awesome. So here's the first thing, the what, the formation. So like I said, I take three games. I combine all those stats. This is what we're doing. So I'm going through identifying what formations they are doing. And then I'll give it an official count. So if they go two by two, 55 times through three games, and they go three by one only 10 times in three games, well, I know that their bread and butter formation is going to be two by two, and that's what we're going to practice at. We're going to prep that formation in practice when we build our scouting cards, and that's what we're going to do. And maybe we, we sprinkle in three by one for one or two plays here and there in our scout cards, which will make more sense later. Um, so when I count all those formations up, I start building my scouting port right away. I organize it by popularity. So I'll give you an example here in this next slide. But two by two, uh, two by one, three by one, 
um, whatever it is, I rank it in order of popularity by one back. If they use anything else like unbalanced or balance, I'll create another section, I'll organize it by popularity for that. If they use an H-back or a fullback, I'll create popularity by that as well. Tight end, no tight end. I need to know if they're gonna give us a three-man surface, a two-man surface, uh, multiple backs in the backfield, um, four wide receivers, five wide receivers. What do they wanna to do to get their guys the ball? And then based off that, what plays are gonna run off that? Here's another example of uh, me breaking down on my scouting report. So I don't remember the opponent on this, but they, this opponent, for example, up top used a H-back with two, with two receivers to the right. Okay, so H-back left, two receivers to the right. So that was their most popular formation. Three games they ran at 89 times. So they were, I broke it down game by game as well, 33, 30, 26. Another, the second most popular formation was uh, trips with an H-back. Trips to the left, single receiver to the right. They ran at 62 times. So there's another breakdown, 26, 17, 19. Now, some formations are really popular in one game, and they don't even touch it the rest of those, those next two games. So, like, do we really need to focus on it? Does it need to be something that we rep and see every day, or is it just one day when we build our scout cards? Uh, they ran a little bit of Wildcat. They ran a little bit of Empty. So, like, as you see, they only ran it five times and four times. Are those formations we need to really fret about? And I would say no. This is something you've, you walk through to show, like, hey, if they show it, this is where we're at. And this has been an efficient breakdown. I did this for all of our opponents. And it was, it was really beneficial. So after I identify the formations, the next thing I need to do is identify their favorite run concepts and pass concepts. So the goal is to identify what is their bread and butter top five run plays. And in the conference we play, it's really top three. I know there's some schools that can run a lot of different run plays if they're one platoon or two platoon. Um, a lot, that's not the case in ours. So we're a big conference where we see a lot of power, counter, and ISO. So if we see a lot of power, counter, and ISO, all week, that's all we're going to wrap is power, counter, ISO. Um, and then maybe their fourth run speed option, their fifth run's uh, power read, okay? And we'll sprinkle those into the scout cards. But if we stop power, counter, ISO, we did our job. And then pass plays, what is their top five pass plays? If we can answer those questions, we know what we're going to take, build our scout cards off that. And as we build our scout cards, what's their most popular formations? Then we get it all line, aligned together. And I'll show you what I do here in a second. Um, on the next part. But after we identify their top five run plays and the top five pass plays, the question is, what could they run? Uh, we played an opponent this year where they were big on pulling their guards, pulling their guards, kicking out the end man, kicking out the end man. I went back and watched a couple games uh, from previous years, and they showed the short trap, kicking out tackles instead of the end man on the line of scrimmage. I said, this could possibly be a play they run. Or another opponent, they, ran, they were known for running speed option and installing it against us in the previous years. I was like, this is a play we could run. We have to rep it at least once this week and show it to our kids so they're ready for it. And the biggest thing is don't just throw up a bunch of crazy what ifs. So if like they're two back and they're running ISO and power, don't freak out and start creating ideas like, well, what if they run triple option, like GT to the right with the back becoming the pitch back to the left. Don't stress yourself out that on that. Don't focus on that as much. I, I live by that philosophy. You focus on the 85% of the offense and the 15% of the offense. Well, the 85% of the offense is going to be more like there's six to eight plays that they have to run to make their offense go. And then there's the 15% of the offense where they get try to get creative, tricky, um, things to decorate and confuse the offense. Like, why are you going to freak out about those? It's not going to beat you. If they beat you with the 15% of their offense, that's, you have bigger issues on your game plan. 
stop the 85%. Make them get to their 15% of the offense. Because here's the deal. If they try to install a new formation, a new play week of, all right, they, they can't install a whole new offense. They have to still go back to their base plays that they live by, all right? And if they're going to beat you by some new wrinkle or play, um, you have to go back and reevaluate your game plan. Next thing is, is run pass. So as I'm building those scouting reports, okay, I now know the formations by popularity. I now know what they do, top five runs, top five pass plays. And what I'll do is I'll go back and start building the scouting report again, and I'll type out the formations. Then underneath each formation, here's all the run plays they ran with that formation. Here's all the pass plays they ran out of this formation. So you start asking the question, well, what, play, what run plays do they actually, does this run play apply to every formation they have? Like no matter if they're two by two, three by one, H back, two tight ends, are they gonna run power? All right, are they gonna run counter? If the question is yes, like those are the two plays you have to stop no matter what the look is, okay? They're trying to manipulate your defense. If it's only, they only run ISO out of this formation, okay? Was that a play you really have to fret about? I would say no, okay? You show it once, you show it on like your Wednesday, for example, when I get into practice planning, but you're focused on power and counter on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, but you sprinkle a little ISO in there as well, especially during an inside run. Um, here's an example here of the run pass breakdown. So I take a formation. Uh, for this example, they were pro to the left with H-back uh, to the right with the wide receiver. And so they ran a, what I was calling sweep at the time. They ran a wham play and they ran counter. And then there's the pass plays below, out, it just goes. Well, if I go through the other five formations they ran, they ran, they ran their sweep play out of all those formations. Well, they only ran their wham play out of this formation. But they ran counter also out of all their other formations. So what plays do you really need to focus in on? Sweep and counter. Wham is a special situation, a special formation play that when they're in this formation, we can prep for and tell our kids about. Especially with the pass plays. Are they a big bubble team in certain formations, certain plays? Um, I know when we play certain teams and they get in the trips, trips left, all right, and they got the running back on the same side as trips, okay, a lot of teams that we play are going to run counter to the right and they're going to throw bubble, all right? So when we see this formation, we know they're going to run counter and they're going to run bubble off that. And that's something we have to stop. Um, versus if they're in two by two, all right, that might be a completely different animal. They might still run counter, but what's their next wrinkle off that? Let's pull down here. Next question is who? Who are their dudes? I call, you know, I heard some people call them cats, some people call them dudes. I go through and I will chart out every personnel package they have. So if their base formations, twins to the left, H back to the right with a wide receiver, all right? Who are their dudes in the twin formation? Who's their H back always? Who's the wide receiver on the H back side? Do the outside receivers stay place on left and right? Do the twins receivers travel? And does the H back and wide receiver travel? That helps, I think, a lot. Uh, who are their different running backs? Who are their backups? Who comes in and replaces them? I uh, also like write down their offensive line. Who are their linemen? Who are their backups, okay? So it, start. that's a basic uh, generic way of outlining that, but what we get into now is for the skilled, based off how they're aligned, we know the play. So if they have wide receivers that travel together, sometimes they only run certain routes from those sets of wide receivers. Um, if if ten and three are right next to each other, they have these routes built in. They're going to be a now. They're going to be slants. They're going to be post corner. And based off their part, based off their alignment, you know, we could tell if when ten and th three are really really wide. They're going to run slants. When they start stacking together, they're going to run post corner. 
Um, other times we've looked at wide receiver replacement, uh, especially with their dudes, for example. We, we played a really special kid this year from a school, and every time they lined him up as the number three receiver, they're going to run bubble with counter to the right. All right. And it was pretty easy to tell. Okay. If they put number, if they put that kid in a twin set to the boundary, all right, with H back to the field, we knew they were going to run jet. Uh, it was just tip. It was just tip. They were just tipping their hand. I mean, I know most coaches know that, and you have to defend it. And we did, of course, with our success that we had this year. But I think on top of being a fundamental team, an athletic team, us putting these little golden nuggets or Easter eggs into our kids' heads, when you see these things, this is coming. It's almost like you're cheating. Okay, uh, big video game player. Cheat codes help uh, if you're trying to have fun. But if we give our kids these like little cheat codes or Easter eggs, they eat that up. They're gonna run with it. Hatback alignment, personnel, th things like that. Um, like I said, we're a big counter power uh, league. We see a lot of power read, um, even when they're passing. So we look at the halfback alignment. If he's deep, okay, behind the quarterback, they're going to run power or counter. If he's up and even with the quarterback or even in front, we got power read coming probably or some type of quarterback run possibly, uh, depending on your opponent's alignment. Or it's just a pass. That's a simple one. Uh, deep run, up, pass. Uh, another one that we saw this year was not only was the running back deep, but if they were running play side power, he got even a couple yards deeper, and we're screaming it from the sidelines. Um, H-back alignment, who's the personnel there? What's the alignment? We noticed that some teams we played with the H-back, they, for example, if you have an H-back that's lined up behind your tackle, if that H-back got real snug up onto the tackle, like snug, like tight onto the tackle's butt, they're running power. Whenever he was deep, they ran counter. If he got deep and inside, they were running ISO. Another uh, teams, they like to run their king and queen formations. Fullbacks, even with the quarterback, they're just running play side power ISO. If he was cheating up in front of the quarterback, they're running some type of power counter to the away from that alignment. Um, and by telling our kids that, they were able to eat that information up and really attack and play physical and fast during that time. Personnel-wise, um, we saw a lot of 2H-back stuff this year. So if you can key in on... 2 H-back personnel, you know, are both guys equal players? Can they both kick and rap either way? Or is one guy just a kicker and the other guy is the rapper? Um, we played a, a, a really talented football team this year uh, that was really known for power and counter, and they had a really good, they had two really good physical H-backs. But the one H-back was always snug and tight to the tackle. We knew he was always going to be the kicker-outer, and the other guy was going to be the rapper. So we always knew if... If that kid was on the left side, they're running to the left. And that kid was on the right side, they're running to the right. And, I mean, at the fresh soft level, like, you always thought these things, like, no way a varsity team runs that. No, varsity teams do this. They, if they truly believe in their system, their plays, their concepts, they, they don't hide what they are good at. And if they're going to use that to the best of their ability. If that kid's really good at kicking, let's just let him be a kicker. The other kid will be really good at rapping. If you're more bigger and physical than your opponent, what's it matter? Um, and we, we, and I believe that since we're, if we're able to match that physical and athletic ability, uh, it's going to start mattering because we're able to stop it now. For your O-line, we want to identify strong and weak linemen. Um, who, who's a good run blocker? Who's a good pass blocker? Um, who, if we find a weak guy, like we're going to blitz towards that guy and attack that guy on purpose. If we have strong linemen, Okay, well, where's our best matchups for our alignment? So I know a lot of times when we're doing skill and O-line, we like to match up 
certain athletes against certain athletes, depending on game plans for some week. So if you have a really good lineman, let's put our best defensive lineman against that guy to where maybe that challenges their good lineman to call for a double team of some sort uh, versus their weak lineman. We might start sending blitzes and attacking during passing situations. I know this. When I start charting off offensive lineman, there's two things uh, you'll notice. Some linemen, it's, it's usually a lot of schools use the same five linemen on their offense the whole game with a sub here and there. Okay, so that's an easy one. But when they start subbing, does one guy start moving around quite a bit? Um, and some of the opponents that we played, uh, they had a main puller. So if they, if, if there wasn't their starters, we knew who the main puller was going to be. And if they were a pull heavy team, we knew the play was going all of a sudden. And that really tipped a lot of plays. Um, another time when you see main pullers coming around, uh, look at the stance and alignment of their players. So um, when we play certain power teams, their guards cheat back. Well, if he's cheating back, where's he going? He's pulling to the left. Uh, it was pretty easy. Um, now, I, I, you don't expect your kids to see that, but from the sideline, you start screaming it. Uh, it's coming to the left. It's coming to the left. And I've been a part of teams where, like, that really helps you stop the play and stuff it. I've also been a part of teams where, like, you know the play is coming, and you just don't have the Jimmys and Joes to stop it. So be wary of that. You know the play is coming. You know these certain things are happening. But if you don't have the Jimmys and Joes, it doesn't really matter, unfortunately. I also played a lineman this year who was really um, tipping plays in terms of, like, I'm he's leaning heavily forward in a stance run. He sit back and had no pressure on his hand pass. Um, it, it, as silly as these things sound, like, do you pay attention to these things on film? Uh, we started doing that. It's not just all picked up by me. It's picked up by our other defense coaches. We just write these notes down in our scouting report, and we start building it, building it, building it, and it becomes a nice, easy, well-oiled machine to where we know what plays are coming in this offense. Where? So field and boundaries is what I'm talking about for where, okay? Uh, if I'm on the right hash, what formation or play are you running? So what I mean by that is we put a team, every time they're on a hash, we knew one of two things. We knew one thing for sure. Their most stand-up high receivers were always going to be to the field. All right? All that mattered was is where were they going to set that H back? Were they going to put them to the short side or to the wide side? And then the next thing we build off that is based off that formation, where's the play going next? Okay? So if they're on the left hash, are they going to run to the wide side a lot or are they going to run to the short side a lot? And if it's not based off field and boundary, is it tight to open? I know when we played... Uh, Moline High School at the previous school I was at in years past, they were tight end heavy. Okay, it didn't matter if it was field or boundary, they ran to the tight end 90% of the time. Okay, and by doing that, we could set our fronts, we could set our game plan towards that tight end, make them beat us to the open side, make us beat it to the weak running side instead of just running one play to the weak side. They had to run more than one play to the weak side, and that's an advantage for our kids. Okay, so field boundary, tight to open, what is this telling you? So after I build that scouting report with my legal pad and I do all the counting up for how many formations they're running, how many, uh, are they field the boundary, are they tight to open, who are the dudes, how we outline that, start typing up all of that, and then I go back to huddle, okay? I go back to huddle, I watch a downs playlist. Okay, if I'm watching first down, what, what's the play they always seem to call first down? So we've, we've played, when Quincy was a wing T team in the previous years, that was right around double dive as his first down play. So we always knew they were gonna be a double dive heavy team. Other teams, they're power heavy on their first down play. And if they get a first down again, all right, what are they going to call on second down? If it's a positive play, they're probably going to call power again. If it's second and long, what, where does it change? What's the, what's the next step in their play calling? And I'll go through, watch all the first downs, all right, 
just how it starts, and I'll watch their second down plays. Where does it change? Is it second and long, second and short, what do they like to call? And then third down. If it's third and short, you know they're going to run the bread and butters, the bread and butter plays. But then they have their get-out-of-trouble plays. So we have teams that run the wrap draw, uh, crisscross handoffs. They want to run screens. They get a big chunk of yards, hard counts. What are they going to do to pick up a chunk of yards? Um, now, one thing I pointed out here was on first down again. As they're advancing on the, the field, okay, if they're behind their 50, deep in their territory, are they conservative? Are they running their base plays? And then I've noticed as teams start crossing the 50 or getting close to their 50, their first down plays start changing. Instead of being 80% run, now it's 50-50. And so a neat little nugget there on the huddle is creating a, a, a down distance report. And you go start looking at it, and it tells a lot. It, it's almost it's almost silly because you see teams like if it's first it's first and ten, they're they're seventy percent run, thirty percent pass. Well, when you start going to watch those playlists, when you click on the seventy percent runs, what are those runs? It's power counter. When you go watch the thirty percent pass, what is it? A lot of times it might be a simple little bubble or quick uh, a, some type of quick passing game throws to get their drive started. Um, as they start going on and on and on, are they going to start taking shots as they start driving? Okay. You start watching that. Uh, some other easy down reports was if it was second and third and short, they were 80% run for some teams. If it was second and third and long, they were 80% pass. So if you're breaking things down in this order, I think you start getting an idea of what the recipe is for this offense opponent. Uh, the percentage, I, I never used it in the past until this year, percentage on run and pass based off field position and yardage really was a, a next step into building a, a, a well uh, well-sounded sound scouting report. Now, how? How do they protect their plays? So is it formations? Is it motions? Okay. Or are they just adding new plays? I've seen all three. So when we see that they're trying to protect their plays or they know that they can't physically match us, they start running different things. So I'll start with formation. Are they going to run a three-man surface that they haven't shown yet? Are they going to run a tackles over formation? Are they going to run something crazy? So something we saw a team hadn't shown all year was they went empty, which they had shown, but they put all five receivers to the left. Okay. And so do what do you do? Well, the first thing is I would recommend is you don't freak out. Okay. They put a new formation in. Can they run all their plays out of formation? The answer was no, they didn't. They can only run a handful of plays. And a handful of plays that are they going to beat you with? And if you stop it, do this keep running that formation? And I would say no as well. Don't freak out. If you do freak out, call a timeout, get adjusted, and go from there. Motions. Motions are tricky. You have the in motion where they run across the formation. You have your jet motions. You have your orbit motions. You have your return motions. Um, how do you have an answer for that? Well, at the same time, just with the formations and the motions, tie them together. If you have a base set of rules from, that you've been teaching from camp, you should have that answer to where your kids feel confident enough to where they can adjust. All right. And if you don't have an answer for that, you need to call a timeout and get it figured out right away before they start hitting you for big touchdowns. Um, but like I said, don't freak out. If you see something crazy, they don't have a whole set of brand new plays that they're going to beat you with. If they run a tight bunch, they run a five wide receiver set to the left. All right. They still are who they are. They still have their bread and butter plays. They're just trying to manipulate your defense. All right. To get the plays and looks that they want. So coach the player. How do you get all this information from a coaching staff to your players? Well, one thing is, I was noting that we were yelling stuff out from the sideline. At some point, you just got to let your kids play. You know, if you truly prepared them all week long, you shouldn't have to yell from the sideline. 
all right, um, telling them what plays are coming. They know based off the information you gave them, this formation, this look, this guy, it based off his alignment. They know what you're going to do. And so I, I call them Easter eggs or cheat codes, as I was mentioning earlier. If they're in a certain alignment, if 10 and 3 are stacking up tired together, you should expect post curl. If they're super wide out, you should expect some type of routes inside. Um, anything with certain motions. If you see a certain motion, they like to run this play every time they use this motion or this formation. Um, it, if you can really narrow that down. I'm not saying you tell them all this stuff. Just give them one little Easter egg to run with, and that might be the simplest edge. I know from years to years, you have some teams that you can pour a ton of information on, they run with it, and then other years where you have to like really tone it back because if you overload them with information, they start playing slow. Our goal on defense is to play fast and physical. So you don't have to tell them everything. As a staff, you should know everything if you're well-prepared. So you start building a plan, all right? You build your defensive plan, and the biggest thing is for me, what I take is I start building the front seven inside runs, the seven on seven skeleton pass, and then the teams. All right. And we and I'll, I'll break down what we do from week to week. So the goal is, depending on our opponent, if they're pass heavy, maybe we don't do a lot of front seven. Or if they are run heavy, we might add an extra session. But the goal is to do front seven two times a week, six to eight plays, usually six. All right. And the, be the benefits for front seven is one, on that Monday when you come in with that game plan, you get to walk through your fronts and your blitzes against their base um, format, I guess you'd say. If they're a three-man service with a tight end, talk about it. If they have an H-back, talk about it. How do we want to set our fronts this week and walk through your blitzes maybe on the second day? Uh, if there's any trades or shifting or H-back motion, a lot of times H-back motion doesn't um, affect our front seven, but tight end trades could, okay? I'll usually show that on the second day we do that. All right, so we want to get the most vanilla basic picture. Can we get aligned right away on the first day? And then once we get that set, the second time we run front seven, I'll start showing wrinkles. You want to show you the top three run plays. So you might see power counter, and then the next third play, is it power read? Is it quarterback keep? Um, those are the questions you have to ask. And by that play chart I have, going through all those formations, what are the top plays? What play shows up time and time again? All right, if we do a third session, uh, during it, I'll try to show runs four and five. So this is where you would start seeing your ISOs uh, and whatever other run scheme they plan on running. GT with the one back. Um, it just depends from week to week. Inside zone, if they dabble in that. We saw a team that this year, they were a big gap scheme team, but they like to show inside zone here and there. So we would sprinkle in inside zone. We played a triple option team this year. We were, basic, we were basically for the, throughout the season um, practicing their inside veer out of shotgun but we weren't sure if they were going to go under center. So we sprinkled in, showed under center midline, just so we were ready. So if they did run it, we weren't going to be completely in shell shock. So the front seven, I think, is really key because you're working on installing your, your alignments, okay? You, you don't have to waste install time during team because there's so many times when you go to team, I've been in part of programs like that, you walk through each layer as everyone's standing there. You talk about the, you talk about the defensive linemen as the linebackers and DBs are standing there and, they, and they're 15, 16, 17-year-old kids. They don't have a, spent, uh, a time, uh, attention span to actually focus that long. So if we can break down the front seven and front seven, once we get the team, we can start flying and rolling. Uh, same thing with seven on seven. We try to do that two times a week. The goal, the goal is here is we show their top formations, all right, their favorite formations on day one, all right, with no wrinkles. And then we show their top three to five passing concepts. I stay away from screens, bubbles, and all that during seven on seven. We want pocket passing, uh, maybe some rollout, depending on what they're in, 
okay, uh, passing schemes. All play action and stuff and, all, and screen game, I'll say for team. We want to take care of their base pass plays, drop back, all right? If it's an under center wing T team, I think that's a little different. But our goal is for time one, here's a vanilla pick. Here, here's two by two. Here's H back to the left, twins to the right. Here's our tight end looks. Here's empty. Walk through it. Are we aligned to it? Are we good? Let's run the play. We waste that t talking time, or no, I shouldn't say waste. We use that downtime, individualized talking time with our linebackers and DBs during seven on seven. So now we can actually go in the team and fly again. Uh, we also do, if we do seven on seven a third time, we might do it randomly in the week with just the DBs and no linebackers. But we has at least do it two times a week with linebackers and DBs, uh, knowing that we know our assignments and who we have to take. Uh, we play a lot of teams that like to run uh, backs out of the backfield, so we need those linebackers taking care of that, taking care of that, whether it's wheels or arrows. It's that's a hard, it's a hard uh, thing to take care of, especially if your linebackers aren't that athletic. Um, as we get on later into the week, we'll now start putting wide receiver motions in, where they in motion across the formation, uh, jet motions. I'll say for team, but like the simple in motion across the formation, uh, we'll do that. If they want to shift and go from a real snug set to a spread out set, we'll talk about that. Uh, any halfback motions where they see them empty out of the backfield and they want to run uh, something where they fake the swing pass and they got they got slants, they got hitches, something like that. We'll go through that during seven-on-seven seven time. So that way we know what we're doing in terms of how we adjust those motions. Come team time, we can now uh, just go full speed. We During team time, we want as less the least amount of talking from coach player as possible. We use it up in seven-on-seven, seven, front seven. So come team time, we are flying, getting as many plays in as possible because we're on a time limit. Um, team structure, the goal is to do 15 plays every day at least 15 plays. I'll create a little practice script, one through 15. I do them in three play sequences. So a biggest thing is, and this is something we started, I started uh, being a part of a couple years ago, and so as our DC, going, working off hashes. How, many, how much of the game is actually truly played in the middle of the field? If you actually went and counted it throughout the season, middle of the field alignment truly isn't gonna be uh, played majority of the time. It does happen every now and then, but not majority of the time. So we'll start on the left hash, work to left middle, to right middle to right hash, I'll create three play sequences. So based off the scouting report of like when and how they get into those plays, um, if they're running uh, wide to short or tight to open, okay, if they like to set their tight ends to the boundary or to the fields, and those, if I'm on the left hash, I can now create play formations with the H back to the boundary, H back to the field, tight into the boundary, tight into the field. Uh, they always set the running back to the field to do certain things, certain looks and I'll, I'll create that three-play sequence based off that and maybe even some down situations as well. Uh, what's their first down play? What's their second down play? What's their get-out-of-trouble play? That might be play three. Um, now, here's how it goes on Monday. Monday is the first thing we do. It's going to be base run plays. So our base run plays on Monday, we're going to see their power counter with no motions. Not if, it, if there is any motions, it's a simple motion with like H-back going across, wide receiver going across. So that way, and later in the week, if they have any wrinkles or answers to how teams do that, where the H-back might bounce back to his original alignment or the wide receiver bounces back to his original alignment, we can show that later in the week, as long as we know how to adjust that base motion. So the goal is to show their two, top two to three formations, their base run plays. We play a lot of bubble teams, so we have to practice screens and getting off those blocks and tackling the, tackling the bubble and getting pursuit from the linemen and the linebackers there as well. We also see a lot of halfback screens, uh, tunnel screens, things like that. Are we disciplined enough not to run up field? So we, we sprinkle those in as well. 
we have a theme every uh, single day, and it's an incentive. If we mess it up two or three times, we have to we have up downs, we have to run something. So there is incentives to not mess up. Our usually our base theme on Mondays is alignment. Can we get aligned? Can we do this correctly? Um, then we move on to Tuesday. I usually repeat the script based on the core plays and between passing, between running, between the motions. And what I'll do now is I'll adjust that formation. So say I show a lot two by two that day. Well, now two by two will start in three by one in motion to two by two, and they're gonna run the same play. Uh, I say plays 13 through 15 for trick plays and screens. So we play some teams that like to run hook and ladders. Um, now it goes, bubble goes, we gotta see that stuff. Running the halfback out of the backfield, throwing it at him, throwing it downfield. Jet halfback pass. You know, it's, you only have to show it once in your script, reverses. Because if you're focusing your, all your time on double reverse for half your script, well, are you gonna be able to stop power? They run that play because you stopped power. The theme on Tuesdays is usually third down. So we're gonna run a lot of third down plays, wrinkles to get them into a good situation so they can su successfully uh, convert third downs. Uh, and the ball will get moved too along that. Hey, it's third and five. They can't get past this line. If you achieve this goal more than, more than 75% of the time, 85% of the time, we've met our goal. Wednesdays, turnovers. All right. Also some things that we'll do. Okay. So when I build a team script on Wednesdays, what I'm doing now is I'm taking those formations that we've seen for Monday and Tuesday, and now I'm adding runs four and five and passes four and five of popularity into the script. I'm also going to add, alter add motions into the script. What are those wrinkles where the H-back bounces back or the wide receiver bounces back? Another thing that we'll have to walk through is goal line, six to eight plays. So as you, know, as you noticed in that uh, formation breakdown, they want to run wildcat. Well, when do they run wildcat? You look at the down distance, it's short yardage, it's goal line situations. Well, we're going to see wildcat. We're going to see unbalanced single wing. We have to walk through this, just talk about it, stop it. They can't score. That might be a theme or uh, goal for goal line. We go do our indie, a seven on seven inside run, whatever's next, and then we go straight to team. Our, we want to force turnovers. Once we get, it, here's the deal. Like we forced 26 turnovers this year, 19 of them were interceptions. Okay, a very very big crowd stat that we had this year because our DBs during seven on seven and team were ball hawking to the ball. We since there's so many uh, focuses on uh, interceptions this year because we only had three the year the previous year before. Now this year we know we got to force fumbles. All right. And so once we get one to two guys at the ball, next guys three and four should come in and start ripping and punching. And that might be a theme that we put into this year as well. Here's the script for how team might look. So you should notice right here on the left-hand side, we have left, left, middle, right, middle, right, left, middle. All right. We'll put our front call. We'll put our coverage. And I got the play. Okay. I do the same thing with the front seven and the seven on seven as you scroll down and look at this. Okay, this is pretty efficient because you can make notes on what plays looked really good, what plays looked terrible. So if you ever need to, go back to play six. Let's run this again. Um, even though our defense coordinator loses his spot on the script calls a lot of times, um, it's pretty efficient. Um, because here's what we can do, all right? We might see power four or six times throughout the play scripts, okay? Well, what's, the front, what's this front look like against power? What's this coverage look like against power? How's this coverage look against flood? Okay, we see flood on the other side. Let's run this coverage against flood. And now we can start seeing what our strong suits and what our kids are doing and excelling well with. And that, that starts even like expanding and making our game plan more confident as well. Friday night, I'm in the booth. Okay. I bring a handful of scouting reports with me. I print it off. Everything that I showed you, that's printed off next to me with the personnel chartings. 
and their top formations, and then I walk through that from there. Uh, I'll chart plays as the, as the game goes on. I go down yard hash, formation play motion, and then if I need to, I'll go tight to open, field the boundary, run pass left to right. And, you know, we start seeing some things, and, like, teams, there's a lot of teams that when they start freaking out, they go field heavy a lot. Um, we had a unique situation this year. I've heard rumors of it always happening and being a thing. Uh, we had a team where they would only run the run plays to their sideline. And it's like, oh, gosh, they're left heavy a lot in the first quarter. They're right heavy a lot in the second quarter. Well, what's going on? They're running to their sideline. So we start actually instead of going tight slant or open slant, we start going to it's left slant. Let's go to the bound. Let's go to the sideline because that's where they keep running. Um, it really does help in terms of counting it up and getting an idea of what they're trying to do to attack our game plan uh, because we prep just like they have and we have to have answers. The next thing I do is I'll always bring a ginormous bag of Sour Patch Kids. Uh, as I'm up in the booth, I'm stress eating, going through the situations, counting it up, staying focused, keeps me calm, uh, especially as things start flying on a Friday night. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of tempers and uh, a heat of passion and emotions uh, being let loose. Here's an example of what I'm typing up and writing down uh, on a game plan. You got your yards, your down, distance, formation, uh, motion, play, Left, right, wide, short, run, pass, tight, open. If any of you guys want a copy of this, I can always send it to you if this is something you would like to use. Um, the next thing I'll show is if I were having an extra assistant to do this, this is something you can also break down is your down and distance report. So what are they running on first down? What are they running down on second down, third, fourth? Um, for me, I don't need this because I have a pretty good idea of what I'm writing down already. I wrote down power 10 times already on first down. All right, I'm guessing they're running power, guys. Um, it, it, does, it is beneficial, but if you have another young coach in there and you want to have an extra report written out or in the booth, that's definitely something beneficial. Um, other things that you could do if you were in huddle, another thing I would recommend possibly is, you know, chart, the, chart their hit chart. So I'm writing down all the passing concepts, but who's the guy they really want to go to in the passing concepts? Is If we're running flood, this is always the out route or the arrow route, or are they challenging us vertically? Post wheel, are they running wheels to post? What zone are they hitting? Uh, I believe those passing zones go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. If you were to take that route, it is beneficial. I think it's something that you could do. For me, I, I just there's not enough time in the day. Do when I do all this information, right? And I'm building all this. I don't knock this all out on Saturday night. I start breaking down huddle. I start writing down myself from legal notes on Saturday night. I finish it up on Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon before we meet. I don't watch a lot of huddle. Uh, all jam-packed up while I'm doing all these scouting reports. I just watch the game, write my notes down, type it up. And then I go based off what I have on my legal pad. Then I'll go back throughout the week and watch maybe first downs on Monday, second downs, third downs on Tuesday. And I start building more and more uh, into my game plan and my scouting reports based off what I'm seeing. And it actually goes pretty well because you're just doing a little bit each night. You know, a lot of you guys have families. Uh, girlfriends, uh, kids, you have to focus on those. And if you try to overwhelm yourself on Saturday and Sunday, you truly aren't going to have a life, unfortunately. You're going to be left alone. Um, the last slide here is my contact information. I'm, I'm sure I flew through this, and there's a lot of things I possibly skipped over. So if you have any questions, you can give me a call or reach out by email. I'll share this out with you. Uh, I just want to show you the way I break down the games. And truly, it might be not be any new information for you. It might be confirming what you already do. If there's something else that you possibly do that's different, please share out with me because I'm always looking to learn and adjust and advance in this game. Thank you.